Welcome everyone to the inaugural episode of the Rose Experience podcast. I uh, This is going to be my interview podcast where I talk to people across the industry, whether it's gaming or whatever. Honestly, I'm pretty desperate. So I'm lucky to have my, my friend here, uh, Steve Danton, that uh, I grew up with, who is uh, the lead developer creator of Two Ton Studios. Am I saying that properly? Yeah, absolutely. Two Dantons. The, the, is that what it is? Yeah, Two Dantons, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. So where'd you come up with that name anyway? Uh, actually, uh, I just came up, Greg and I were bouncing around ideas. Uh, uh, Greg's my brother. You know my brother. I know that. But you know. <laughs> For the five people that are going to listen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, we we were just about throwing around ideas for game things. Sarah was throwing around ideas. And I was like, I don't know how I came up with it. It's like two Dantons. It is two of us working on it. And two tons kind of sounds cool. And I heard from my dad that him and my uncle... They were known as like two tons when they played baseball together, like way back in. Your like, dad is a large man. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's so, not large, yes, and weight wise, but yeah. he's tall. What is he? Six? What? Yeah, he's like six two, six three, maybe. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I remember when I was a kid. Yeah, he's probably like, like seven feet tall. He might as well have been minute bold to me. Like, I know, I was, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, so uh, they, I, I, I said, hey, we're thinking of calling our studio Two Ton Studios, and my dad's like, no shit, like well, I don't know if I can swear, but. Uh, <laughs> you can't, please, yeah. Uh, no shit. That's what me and Barry, my uncle. That's what we were called. We play baseball together, and then when they'd write up report, you know, like the the local journalists would like write up, you know, like a summary of the game. Yeah. They talk about like, oh, the Danton brothers like two time like strike again. So, so it was kind of cool that that happened. It's awesome though. The name. See, it's, I just learned. I didn't even know Greg was involved with your studio uh, directly. He's not really like we. Greg and I, uh, we worked on a bunch of games when I was still working at Microsoft. Okay. And those were like mobile games just for fun kind of thing. Uh, the way it worked is Microsoft. So like mobile comes out, right? I don't know when the heck it came out, but a while ago, over 10 years ago now, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if I've researched correct. But mobile comes out, iPhone's like doing amazing. Uh, everyone's making apps for it. Microsoft tries to make a f- kind of like that uh, Zoom thing. It didn't really work. I don't know if you remember the Zoom. Anyway, they tried to make yes. a phone oh, I remember, kind of yeah. music player, right? And then, then they come up with Windows Phone. And Microsoft has this huge problem. There's no, no one making apps for it because there's just a new platform. So they basically let anyone who's a full-time employee make games or apps. And that I was like, okay, well, I've always wanted to make video games. So let's try this out. So I, I would do some stuff. Uh, Greg would work on some of the art. And then I ended up doing stuff more. Uh, and then Sarah and then Greg kind of like wanted to focus more on kind of like AAA concept art. Mm-hmm. And then Sarah and I decided to go like full steam ahead on two-ton. And that's when we really like that was like under the ends were they our first game, but the other ones were kind of like fun experiments. So when you were at Microsoft, what was like your job title? So I started as kind of like an interaction designer out of university. Okay. Uh, working on a research team that was sort of affiliated with the Office, like Word, you know, PowerPoint, those kind of things. And uh, then I kind of like moved more and more over to, into design, and. But I always stayed in kind of the concept, like incubation side of things. Mm-hmm. And um, I left as a my title was concept architect in design. And I was working on kind of like rethinking uh, Windows for um, like Windows is, is a great consumer product. And then there's like enterprise Windows if you want to like run servers. Yeah, there's not really any version of Windows for like people that do. Uh, professional design or architecture or whatever there you kind of like fit in between this weird uh, uh, space and so I was trying to think of ways to, to build a operating system that would be 
better for those kind of people really thinking about like breaking down applications and new ways of navigating and searching for information, uh, new kind of interaction paradigms for like command spaces, those kind of things. Okay. So when they wanted, you know, when they're like, we need people to create stuff for this, you just, you jumped right on it. Yeah. I, you... I always had fun. Like I always loved problem solving and as kids, we were always like throwing around sure. ideas and stuff. So that was kind of like, that was something I, I enjoyed doing. Well, I know when we needed a, like a difficult game cleared, we'd lock <laughs> you in the fucking room and, yeah. and sort of like peek in. And we would cheer you on from afar. Zilly, Zilly and two is wild. You've done the controller at our heads. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Zillion two is the Zillion two version. I would of say, that. Yes, that is a hundred with those stupid motorbike levels. Oh man, that was insane. That took like my whatever I was eight year old brain. Oh, full maximum Zen concentration. Like I don't think anyone like they listen. Dark Souls, whatever. Right, those games. Right, no, these games were destroy your life oh, yeah. really difficult yeah. with no and when you were done there was no priest there was no bonfire no, you were just to start over there was no yeah. even checkpoints yeah it's crazy man yeah yeah like that's why you know trial by fire ship that's what we did no absolutely i love those days of games and actually like i find nowadays it's hard you know it's hard for me as uh like growing up in that what i consider kind of the golden age when no, you see people you know kind of complaining about games being too hard and stuff. Like I, I am all for like as many people playing a game as possible. That's cool. Yeah, hundred percent. But you know, um, I think you, you I'm take... also I'm also for design decisions being made. Yeah, exactly. You have to have some you know respect some integrity of the designer. There's difficulty, challenge can be part of the experience, and I think ultimately the best games are great experiences. And um, humans are weird, right? Like if you give them options to make things easier. They will. Like I remember as kids, you had those like uh, cartridges or whatever, and you'd hack a game and you'd be like God mode and stuff. Yeah. And it's like cool for you know like an hour or a couple of days. But, but it's not it, as good. Like, it's everything out of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not it's as cool as like, like, well, like they're gonna say, "I'll listen to these boomers talking about you know hard work and perseverance." <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's true though. When yeah. like you know, if I beat something hard and I actually earned it, like I felt like I accomplished something. Yeah, no one 100%. really cared, but I yeah. cared. No, but no, if no, it, I did it the easy way, then yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I could cheat all day long. I could listen, look at a Game Pro magazine. I know most people don't even remember what those are, but <laughs> you know, whether it was a space harrier cheat or or something to that, or with infinite lives, like, sure. I mean, I got to see the game, that's great, but right. I didn't exactly finish it. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I told you know, I understand that people will argue that, uh, Hey, it's my game. I paid X amount of dollars for it. I want to do whatever the heck I want to it. And as a developer, it's your job to to do that. And I can see that argument. But I also think there's an opportunity for developers to say, you know, we we designed it this way. We kind of designed difficulty levels. Like Dark Souls does a good job of that, like giving you difficulty capabilities within the context of the gameplay experience. It doesn't give you like settings to like slide, you know, how much health a boss has. And I think there's something to that. And I guess more than anything, like although uh, games don't need to be for everyone. It's okay to have games targeted for certain people. God, I couldn't um, agree more. It's, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a tough issue. It, you know, these aren't, uh, whenever you get subjective kind of feelings into it and people are paying money for it, I understand all the arguments, but uh, I liked it. And I still like games that have that kind of competitive aspect to them. And I, I enjoy uh, overcoming challenge in games. And I, like a recent game I played that I really liked, I don't know if you played it, is Below. Um, no, you know, that, I never, the, and they it went 
So the version of Below that's out now, they had added a different mode. Didn't they add more story to it or something to that effect? So they did add a different mode. I don't know if they added more story, but they so they, it came out and it was uh, you know it was a standard mode, and it's yeah. a roguelike. Like you die yes. and you start again, right? And it has bonfires, but the bonfires um, don't don't persist okay. unless you like uh, kind of anoint them to be like these magical bonfires, right? Uh, but even then, you have to teleport back to them. You still die and start it again, and then you can choose to teleport. So it's pretty hardcore in terms of its penalty for death. Then they added explore mode, where bonfires are always kind of this eternal thing, and you can always go back to them. Uh, and they also got rid of the hunger mechanic. But I played that, through that game three times, and I played through it like twice when it first came out in 20, whatever it was, 19 or 18. And then I recently like replayed through it last month. And dude, it's like one of the best immersive like man i'm like into the game like sweaty palms kind of thing you feel like miyamoto like the zelda guy right he always said like his kind of vision for zelda was you walk into a dark cave and you decide to go left or right and that's the experience he's trying to capture right because he ever did, mm -hmm. did a lot of caving as a kid or something to me below does that like it really makes me feel like i'm this little wanderer dude going into this dark cave really relying on my own kind of smarts resources mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff and it couldn't do that if it was easy. If it was too easy, it would have taken that away. And I wrote the, about this. Uh, the difficulty made it, like, made me earn it. And it was integral to the to the experience. So I completely, I, I agree with you. Like, challenge is part of that. I, I remember in, in 2012, 2013, I wrote a, a freelance piece with IGN. It was about how survival horror wasn't really doing well. Like, it was sort of in limbo. Like, Dark Souls really hadn't hit its stride by then. But some, you know, Resident Evil's moving towards more action-oriented. Right. Uh, Dead Space, even though people loved it, it was dying. And even that, as it moved towards action, people didn't like it as much. And my, my point was, is that difficulty is inherent to survival horror games. And people naturally reject, they want everything easy. Right. They want things handed to them. And that's difficult to hear because yeah. no one likes their ass handed to them sometimes. Yeah, totally. Especially in this generation. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't care. Like this, the entitlement generation, everyone wants everything handed to them. Like, and I just, and, and I think people were afraid, but going back to your original point, when you try to please everybody, you end up pleasing nobody. Yeah. I'm, I'm a firm believer. Like, I understand when you come up in AAA games, you know, you got to have the accessibility options. You got to bring in focus groups. You got to play test. You know, you got to hit as many groups as you can, but you can't compromise your vision of what the game's supposed to be. Like, and we get into the trappings of so many modern AAA games that I've fallen out of personally. I mean, whether it's the Ubisoft formula that I used to love, but I can't stand it now. I just think games are bigger to me is rarely better in video games. Don't be wrong. I like my big games like open world games, but they rarely earn it. Right. You know, like they rarely earn that space. They never do anything great. They do a few things good, but never anything great. I'd rather a game nail two or three aspects and just retract the world a bit and, and 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 see their vision rather than just as soon as i see for instance like what what's the most re dying light too right the game's gonna take like 500 hours to that, was, that was crazy I'm, I heard out. That 500 I'm, out. I'm out yeah like i just you know what i mean i i that doesn't appeal i, I don't know who you're who you're selling to at that point i i don't know i'm trying to think of when, when we were kids i felt like we had a lot more time on our hands than as well, we do as adults yeah. so like i remember like clearing fantasy star 
And that was like an epic journey. Like I remember the old trick was like, you had to leave the, you know, the, the Sega on and cover the power light. So like mom wouldn't see it. That's right. So, save it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so but I'm wondering like, how long did that take us to finish? Like that wasn't even five hours. Days, it's not actually a long game, but it's not. Yeah. What you described in below. Yeah. We found there. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's only been in a select few games for me since. Fantasy Star is the game for me personally that made me fall in love with this whole shit that, that we're talking about yeah. now. I mean, and it, you look back and, the game, and I feel like I talk about this so much. It's like this game, but like it was so ahead of the curve. You know, you know female protagonists. Even, yeah, totally. You know, Alice, like one of the first, yeah. that, what was that 1987? Yeah, yeah. Crazy, right? Yeah. And now yeah. if you did that, that would be like this big thing. Yeah. I don't want to be talking about it, and that's controversial and stuff. But yeah, no, I that game, uh, dude. I replayed that game. It's out now on Switch. They redid it on Switch, it's a, and they it's like a redo, like with updated graphics. And it right? has like a map now, a map maker on. Do you remember? Like we'd have the graphical D and D graph paper playing through that thing with a map, and I was like, wow, we actually did this without this thing. It's still hard, even with this. You know, sure. you turn on the map, but we did it without a map, and like that is just awesome i got yeah, it. it's like, really awesome there was no game facts there right. was no yeah. you know power picks and, and things yeah. of that nature we just did it like our own head and then there was false floors in some of those dungeons oh, dude, there was, it was nuts man oh, yeah. right. and, and the, like the art was pretty simple so like that last dungeon that was all gold it basically just is like the walls are identical the whole way through the only thing you could really remember is like it's a left turn right turn yeah that was crazy yeah yeah, I know. Yeah, ludicrous. I will say so, one thing. Greg and I talked about this a lot is that what you just mentioned, you know, there's no no kind of game magazines or what, the walkthroughs or anything. Also, when we got a game, it's like that was the game we were playing. Sure. So we played a lot of bad games, but we we play through them. And then when we played good games, we play through those too. But you had this kind of I think you had a much more a well-rounded uh, perspective on what gaming was. And, and you appreciated the things you had, so you, you, you would stick with them a bit more and find those kind of diamonds in the rough. Whereas you have so much selection now. Yeah. That, and you're also, it's weird, you're, you're as new, new kind of game designers and game developers come up, their opinions are often biased by the masses. So they're getting force-fed into like, play these things, they're rated really high, play these things. Mm -hmm. And there's less chance they're gonna find kind of those nuggets. That's right. We would have found, because that was all that was available. And then you kind of foster these these interesting ideas and new new game ideas and stuff like that. So I I think that's kind of a, a sad thing about how much content's out there, how much meta content is out there shaping your opinion, so on and so forth. I agree. Um, like I was going to save this conversation for later, but we might as well just keep rolling with it. I just we're spoiled, and just what you said. Like, do you feel like gaming, in some essence, is being devalued? I, I would say gaming, um, as gaming has become more lucrative, it's also become more slanted towards entertainment, exclusively entertainment, and less about experience, in my opinion. And so, like, I like Marvel, Marvel movies. They're great. They're cool. But I don't want every movie to be a Marvel movie, mm -hmm. right? Like, just like I don't want every movie to follow, I don't know, the Assassin's Creed formula or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, you know, there's there's... I think it's just unfortunate that there's less and less evolution. There's tons of evolution in graphics. There's tons of evolution in kind of um, quality of life features, but less and less in terms of experience, challenging, really trying to push me into new things. Where I think that in our day, 
there was a, a formula to things, but there were, I think that you had to differentiate more on gameplay because graphics were just kind of where they were. And I think that yeah. now you can just differentiate almost on graphics. And I think that they're, they're, that's not a good thing. And so. with the, that great divide, people's opinions automatically, well, this looks good. So, and this costs, this must be expensive. Therefore it is better. Yeah, exactly. And the true innovation in gaming over the last few generations, we're just defined by console generations. It's all happening in the indie space. Yeah. yeah like that's where the innovation, like people talk about, oh, you know, every uncharted they're all the same and you know it's not doing anything different like dude if you want to see like what's going on gameplay wise you you have to go into the industry well i don't want to play that you know that's indie game, indie game you know <laughs> right. what I mean? and that's where and i look to things like game pass and i know you you have a relationship with microsoft so i don't know how far you want to take that like on the surface level it's a, it's extremely consumer friendly in and of itself like it's great for people for for consumers but I, I really worry about what it's doing and conditioning those same consumers and gamers and eventually game developers into how they view the product. Like it's, if it's just all there at a tangible, it, it, it's just like, oh, I'll just wait till it's on Game Pass. I'll just wait till it's on Game Pass. Well, eventually no one's going to be buying physical games. Maybe that's the point I, I for them. I don't know. And the long game for me with Games Pass, I'm a pessimist by nature. The way I see it, is that once game Microsoft pigeonholes the market and this everyone's on Game Pass and everyone's conditioned to just be on Game Pass, nice Microsoft is going to disappear again. And eventually it's game developers like you that are going to suffer because yeah. they're going to be like all those nice payouts that they were giving out, they'll be like, "Well, you have to be here on our platform. So you take this or you leave it. And if you don't want to be here, you no one's going to play your game." I, I'm just jaded. Maybe that's how I say it, but I just, I, I've been around business too much and I've seen what these, these tech companies, what, like anyone that thinks that there isn't some long game, maybe it's not as, as vicious as that, but I think it's some version of that. Yeah. And I that's think... just not good for video games. Like it, it wouldn't be good in any space, let alone video games, which are becoming astronomically more expensive, as you said. And we're conditioning people's minds to view those games as the only games to play. Although there are indie hits, which I'm, is great, but it's like if companies, first party companies, especially are spending all these, this marketing dollars, let alone the development budget on these games, those are the ones that's going to be front and center all the time. And if they're hitting every two months, like it's just, those are all you're going to see, man. Like, yeah, yeah I, I think it's it. So I will say for under the end being on game, game pass, uh, definitely more players played and saw the game. Than they would have otherwise so that's mm -hmm. great right uh like when i say long game i'm talking about no no i hear you yeah. earliest five six seven years from yeah, now yeah, totally yeah so yeah. now um, it's great yeah yeah so a lot of people see it a lot of people play it that's great um whether that translates into sales or not is a whole different conversation i can't get into that too much no i understand but there's definitely like a, a delta there right so i'll say that um the in a perfect world Microsoft owning the entire space, if I'm optimistic about it, what they do is they realize that in order to keep their fan base, they need to have really authentic original content. And they go, they have an awesome, I'm making this up, but let's say they have an awesome team of people finding all these great indie titles, AA titles, making sure they come to their platform and they reward the people making them fairly. 
Mm -hmm. right? That's, that's an ideal world because they will have, they have tons of money. They're buying all these things. They'll, they, let's say they eventually have a monopoly. And then out of the goodness of their heart or because they, they know that they need to diversify the kind of create uh, the content, they keep finding this good stuff. That could happen, but it could also happen, as you say, it could very easily happen that, you know what, the, the easiest way to make money is to crank out uh, clones of Fortnite. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the j people like us, we're going to get old, they're going to become too arthritic to play games, we're going to die off. The next generation doesn't even care about the same stuff maybe we do. And the generation before them, all they want to do is kind of like disconnect from reality because you know, I don't know, global warming's killing everyone or we have another pandemic or whatever. And um, I could I could see a very dark reality where games kind of slide into this very like um, ready player one kind of thing where the value of a game is zero. It's all about this kind of well, meta. It's, it's, the value of the game is whatever the subscription is. Yeah, exactly. But it, individual games are basically zero. It's like if you had a That's coffee right. card, right? And you, you know, it's $10 a month, all the coffee you can drink. What's the value of a coffee? Not it's zero, basically, right? Or yeah. some some fraction if you care to do the math. But that could easily happen. For instance, like Sarah and I often talk about this, uh, and you can relate to this. Like you know, going to uh, Jumbo Video and getting a video, or going to like Blockbuster or whatever, right? Like that was a cool experience of paying five ninety nine to rent a video or whatever it I was. I miss it. Yeah, I know there's some people yeah. that say, "Oh, I'll never miss that." Me and my wife, her name is Raquel. We we used to we used to love that on a Saturday night. We just go there. Sometimes we'd be in there for 45 minutes. We'd yeah. screw around in the aisles. Yeah. Maybe chuck a piece of popcorn at each other. And yeah. we'd settle on two movies maybe we cared about, maybe we didn't. And yeah. it was fun. No, totally. And now, yeah, like I you don't have that, right? And you, also, if I had to rent a Netflix movie for $5.99 every time I watch something on Netflix, I would not do it. Now, my, even me, like someone who really valued that experience, the value of a movie to me or a show that I can like stream serially and kind of veg out for like eight straight hours has gone down to zero. And so if that happened there, it's possible and likely it'll happen elsewhere. And, and I, that's what my path, yeah, that's what yeah, I that's, see. That's worrying and I, I don't, you know, like, um, I don't know what's, yeah, it's a worrying time for sure, definitely. And yeah, I just, I worry about studios like you. 100%. Uh, and, and 100 other, like, and I know it's good now. I listen to the guys at Drinkbox talk. Uh, again, they can't talk numbers, but you know, what Microsoft is doing to allow these guys to get in with minimal risk is great. I mean, it's not that easy, but you know, I mean, they're, they're open to conversations, but I, I just see an eventuality where this all ends. And yeah. then eventually the take it to leave it attitude comes along because if they have the market cornered and it's a subscription and no one else cares about the physical or even the digital product purchase individually, they're just going to be like, well, you have to be here. This is what we're going to give you. Take it or leave it. That's it. But yeah. we'll so see. I, I will say the people I do know over there, uh, and I don't know a ton of people, the people I know over there do really care about games. I do really care about mm -hmm. indie games. Mm -hmm. uh, if they stay there and they continue to have an important voice within kind of the, the collective, then I think indie games and niche games will still be a thing and they'll be rewarded. However, if they get pushed out, you know, then that will be a problem, right? And mm -hmm. then we can get to this space, uh, you know, we're, we're, you know, the kind of the, the, the less optimistic space. I, it's so hard to tell with these things, right? Like the pendulum will swing one way and then it'll swing back. And uh, like if Microsoft just does one kind of game or pushes everyone out, there will be kind of like a backlash. And so I hope it lands somewhere like Netflix. Like I think Netflix has a pretty good catalog of like niche stuff and then also kind of mainstream stuff. Yeah. 
I don't know anything about how TV show and movie creators on Netflix are, are compensated. Maybe they get paid really poorly. I, I don't know. Um, From the sounds of it and what little I know, I don't think that's true. You think they I get think, paid okay? I think they get paid pretty well. Like if you're in a Netflix deal, yeah. like maybe I'm if they pick up your content and you're outside of the Netflix umbrella. Like afterwards, it's like, hey, we'll yeah, throw like something. Maybe those deals are different. But I, if they book you to, to do a, a Netflix movie or a, or a series, I think you get paid really, really well. So that's good. I mean, if that if that model can be applied to the Xbox world, the Game Pass world, that's great. That's great for, it is a, I mean, then people like Sarah and I have to compete with a huge audience and there's a smaller number of people you have to impress, right? So mm-hmm. that's hard. Um, it's maybe not as free market is like just putting it out on steam but even that you know it doesn't always work right like steam has so i think i read someone talking about there's 330 or 300 titles released every day yeah some and ten thousand a year or something you know and then so you're like yeah it's probably yeah so you've got ten thousand titles a year i mean that's a lot of games to go through and steam you know can only do so well and so a lot fault i dude i don't know man i i mean and I know there's yeah. back-end algorithms that determine, but visibility is a big problem. Huge. With any of this stuff. I've always yeah. I've always been of the mind that there should be curation mm-hmm. on the level. Like, I... What? Like, there's a lot of junk. There's a lot of copycat things. Like, there's flat-out Mario clones. Or yeah. there could be... For all you know, there could be an Onto the End clone. Yeah. You don't, yeah. Even, you don't know. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and then it's just... It's allowed... Where's the, the quality... I'm not talking about, we don't need a Nintendo stamp of approval here, or, you know, the Silver War, but right. someone has to be saying, like, I remember this was a conversation even on the PlayStation uh, store. There was a game, Life of Black Tiger, that came out. The game ran at, like, five frames a second, wow. and it looked like dog shit. Yeah. And people were like, why would this be allowed on the store? Like, yeah. like come weird. on. I mean, Steam used to have the green light process, which was a curated process, and, and it wasn't perfect but they you know there was a team of people inside of valve that would look at a game and say okay that one gets on there and then they opened it up kind of like the app store like you pay uh, whatever 150 dollars and then you just get on there as long as you pass some very minimal cert and uh yeah i mean it might be good for steam but it's not good for players and it's not really good for devs either because it gets oversaturated so yeah so let's get back to you here let's let's talk about your path uh so you went to you where'd you go to university steve uh, Western University of Western. Oh, you did go to Western, okay? Yeah. And I, uh, I, dude, I had no idea what the heck I was doing at school. I joined. <laughs> I was doing political science and psychology because I had. I was just like my buddies went to university. Uh, Jeff Barra, Jimmy Patrol. I don't know if you remember yeah. those guys. Yeah. They went there. Joe Pakula. Like those guys went there. So I just like went there, and uh, I, I don't know. I was just like having fun, and then I was like, dude, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing with these degrees. So I switched after three years into computer science and business just because I wanted to figure out how you make video games. That really was my goal. And uh, I, computer science like was like the moon to me. Like I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. I suck at math. I'm like terrified of mathematics. And uh, so I, I just was determined to kind of figure it out. First year was like really hard, I would say. Like I didn't know what I was doing. Then I spent like the summer making a, a Space Invaders clone just to like learn how to program. Kind of started getting my head around it. And then second year, I really started to get it. Third year or more so. And so it took me seven years to like get a degree. Because those first three years, I just like threw them in the garbage. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> go Canadian education system. Because honestly, if I was in the States, like at a tier one school paying, you know, my parents, well, I, I paid for my own schooling. But yeah. if I was paying 30000 a, a, a oh, year God, for school. You would have been 250 I, grand I in debt. Like I would, yeah. So go Canada. But like. We'd um, be doing this podcast from a trash can. <laughs> exactly. Right. So. Yeah, it uh, 
that so I did that and then I did an internship at Microsoft and then I those were the front page team which is like a web piece of software web builder okay. kind of software uh man this ages ago and then uh then I joined Microsoft full time at that at that uh, team that was working inside an office and doing kind of incubation stuff, and then kind of just went up from, from there. So yeah. So how'd you end up in Seattle? After uh, school, uh, Microsoft's main campus is in Redmond, and then Sarah and I moved to Seattle. Red, Redmond's in uh, about like forty five minutes outside of Seattle. Yeah. And so we moved to Seattle to be uh, just basically closer to the head, Microsoft headquarters. So you met your wife in in school, did you? Yeah, Sarah and I, Sarah went to uh, Western as well, and I met her in my third year. And then uh, she studied like business and French, and uh, she ended up doing not really kind of kind of using that. She did a lot of nonprofit work, uh, photography, open interior design business. Uh, then she was doing like textile design, and then around ten years into Microsoft, and when Sarah was kind of sunsetting her her interior design business we decided to like take a big leap and uh try and make games together which was uh kind of an experiment to be honest we we're just like hey let's try and do this and, you know we've done some cool stuff kind of in a more uh conventional way uh we wanted to travel work on our laptops and see if we could kind of be inspired by our travels and make games and so Sarah uh, had so she had no background in 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 gaming or developing or creating nothing, no. no she and really not even in in digital art either like she's an okay. analog artist like she grew up painting and drawing and and uh doing so traditional photography yeah it's it's uh you know she's she has a great eye she's very naturally artistic and so um we both ended up doing a lot of the artwork on it at the end but uh our skills really balance each other out well you know like i i I like kind of fiddling in the little stuff and and kind of uh, geeking out on small details and making up like little worlds and stuff. And Sarah's much better at like kind of seeing the overall art direction and kind of homing in on like the essence of a scene or the overall composition or something. Uh, and so we balance each other out well. But dude, the first year we spent it in Europe, like living with friends and renting like really cheap Airbnbs. Uh, we made about seven different game prototypes. Mm-hmm. And uh, threw all those out. Like none of those really made it. But we learned a lot. And I think it, naively we initially came out. We're like, okay, in six months we'll have a you know a beta or like an MVP kind of alpha, and then we'll get a beta, and then you know two years we'll have a game. And uh, yeah, it didn't work out like that at all. I think the biggest realization was that your imagination is way more powerful, at least it was for us, than your ability to like render something, program something, animate something. And so you'd make stuff, and it was kind of cool, but it just didn't feel great. And so you're like, it's okay, really, you got more to learn. Yeah, yeah. So what so, were you using? What were you What were you developing on and creating on that? So I was using Unity to as the okay. engine, and then uh, programming language to C Sharp, and then I was animating. Um, have you played Mark of the Ninja? Yeah, I love yeah. it. So, so Mark of the Ninja uses an animation style that they actually use Flash, but what they do is like they take a character and they break it down into parts, like a hand, a forearm, upper arm. So it's all flat, but they draw it in a way that looks kind of kind of sort of 3D. Yeah. And then you can kind of animate the different parts and pose it and then transition between them. They so kind of animate. mastered it with by Mark. They they'd done Shank before yeah, that. Shank was the, similar. Is it what's the studio? Clay. Clay, Clay Entertainment. Yeah. K-L-E-I. That's yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So they um, yeah, they really mastered Mark of the Ninja. To me, Mark of the Ninja is really brilliant. I think it's a masterpiece. I think it's an excellent, excellent game. Yeah, so I, we did our animation like that and then rendered all the actual individual pieces in Illustrator. Um, and that was really the workflow, yeah. That's great. 
So by that, was Greg, uh, your brother, involved by then, or was it just you two? No, so that, that Greg and I only did mobile things. So we did a game called Ninja Boy. I did a game called Akiak, which was about a penguin that could skate and like shoot hockey pucks. And, um, Very and then, yeah, and then Greg and I did a game called Flying Heads, which was about, it was kind of like Fruit Ninja, but like with a dwarven guy who had a shotgun and he had to like juggle these skulls. Uh, and then, um, Sarah and I did a game called Beware of Horns. It was like for a Flappy Bird game jam. Okay. And, uh, and then that those were just like kind of fun experiments. Like Ninja Boy did well. It was actually number one on the Windows phone, which is not saying much. Windows phone didn't, I don't know how many users they had, but not anywhere near as many as iPhone. But it was the number one what game. The, what, what was the inspiration for Ninja Boy? Or was it just something that Ninja came Boy up? was just this dumb idea I had where uh, imagine you're a little kid and your grandfather or grandmother gives you a pair of like magic shoes. And you would put the shoes on, you turn into a ninja. And he kind of like, you know, he, we used to do this. You and I used to do this as kids. Like, you, Greg and Ryan and you and I would do this. Like, you know, you make forts and you like, you like play war and all this kind of stuff. And I was just like, wouldn't it be cool if like that really came to life, you know? And so they put these shoes on and then his bunk beds and everything turn into like, you know, a dojo. And then it, like the outdoors is like this, you know, um, I like fortress it. he has to assault or whatever. So. Uh, yeah, that was the inspiration for Ninja Boy, and it was all puzzle based. It was like a tilt based game, uh, and you had you could like karate chop, and you had to jump over trip wires and like avoid guys and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, that was I fun. Saw, when I heard Ninja Boy, I remember the game we used to play, Kung Fu Kid. Oh yeah, exactly. How many yeah. like harken like with that? Yeah. Oh man, we used to we used to lure the shit out of that. Remember when you get to the tournament at the end with we had to fight like eight of those back to back to back? Yeah, uh, remember we used to talk about that. Oh, that was the best, man. Yeah. No, so uh, yeah, I did those, and then and then kind of, I think the success of Ninja Boy made me think like, hey, you know, I could actually do this, or maybe I could do it. Like it's worth giving it a try. Okay. Um, and then and then that's kind of what led us to do it. But yeah, we threw all those out, and then we came back. I went back to Microsoft actually. Like I left Microsoft for a year. Basically, I was a sabbatical. Went back for a couple months, and then left again. And then after leaving again, we started on Under the End, which at that time was called North. Okay, uh, and then another game called another indie company came up with a game called North, and so we switched the the game to Onto the End. Okay, yeah, and Onto the End. Uh, you, when did that come out? Was it two years ago now? It last Christmas. Oh, so okay. not 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 like Christmas of twenty twenty one, but the Christmas before. So Christmas twenty twenty. Okay, so yeah, yeah, two years ago then. One one day after uh, Cyberpunk. Well, in the grand scheme of things, I mean, a lot of hype with Cyberpunk. I, I don't know. I yeah, say on to the end delivered better. Yeah, thanks. You know, I I, I had felt I I did uh, download it and try it. I liked it. Um, oh, I haven't got very far in it. Um, like <laughs> your inspirations, obviously for it, uh, gameplay wise, it takes a lot of Souls inspiration. Yeah, yeah we oh. try to capture like Souls mood, but not mechanics. Is kind of how we yeah. thought about it. You know, I, you know, getting to that, because we have a lot of history of games. Everyone says Souls, but it's like it's not like Dark Souls and Demon Souls came up with hard, arbitrary gameplay and, and canned animations and things no, of that yeah. nature. Like it's just everyone wants to give something a label and stick with it, I guess. But I mean, it gets too much credit for what it does, I guess, to me. Yeah, to me, Dark Souls, um, well, one, I think you're, I don't know if we were on the air or not when you were talking about this, but. Dark Souls, when it first came out, didn't do that well, right? Like, Demon Souls, Dark Souls, they yeah. were, like, very flat, right? Like, in terms of sales. And they were okay, but they weren't, like, the sensations that they are now, right? Not like, at first. Demon Souls, actually, it had a long tail. Like, I remember the 
a guy I follow, Colin Moriarty, like I bought Demon Souls when it first came out because it reminded me of the games I used to love. Yeah. And I got it day one. And I remember I played it all the way up to Flame Lurker. And I was like, man, this game runs like shit. It's kind of bugging me. And I, and I, I just sort of fell off of it, but I liked it. And then, you know, I, I started hearing the buzz again on the podcast I was listening to. And it's like, this is a masterpiece. This game's like a 10 out of 10. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I played that game, man. Like, what am I missing here? And then I remember some outlets, it like, it just dropped. Some didn't even review it. Yeah. At the beginning. Yeah. Uh, and then it just, I mean... Demon Souls, it's just a, a matter of fact, that was a, a, a Sony PlayStation exclusive and they didn't even pick up the license. So that's why they ended up making Dark Souls with Namco yeah. Band, right? So. Yeah, yeah. So like, to me, what what you're talking about, the, the, how, how it reminded you of the games you used to play, that to me is what made Dark Souls special is that it was at a time when games were increasingly going away from kind of like that well, we style. Described earlier, yeah. yeah. And instead, Dark Souls... You know, took a ch- Demon Souls, Dark Souls took a chance on like, no, 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 we're gonna kind of like do the old old school stuff. It's basically Metroid, Metroid, right? It's really just Metroid yeah, yeah. with like a new skin on it, like the little chambers you save in. That's a bonfire and yeah. all this stuff, right? And so they doubled down on that, and to me, that's what makes it really special is that they had the courage to do that. Now they also do like like their level design is kind of like inspired by Zen Garden design, and like they do a lot of cool stuff, and it, I think it had a cool aesthetic, and it's scary and creates the right emotive thing. So I think it does a lot of good things, but that was what really made it special to me is that it took a chance. It was the right uh, game at the right time for sure. Cause like you, yeah. you described what I think a lot of, you know, gamers were looking for. They were sort of sick of that. And it, it did one thing really, it trusted players. Yeah, absolutely. It trusted them. We, we were having tutorial, even, even Miyamoto was creating like insane tutorials in Zelda games at that point. And we just, we weren't trusting people to figure things out. We were hand, hold, holding their hands through everything. And it's like, you know what? People aren't this stupid. Yeah. Now we're kind of reversing it a bit and we're going back to that. But yeah. I, I like to think, although people increasingly, you know, dissuade me from this, but I'd like to think people aren't this stupid. <laughs> yeah. They can figure shit out. Yeah. But, no, yeah. I agree. So like with Unto the End, Sarah and I tried to take... To be honest, our goal was to capture what it feels like to be in a sword fight. That's what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to try something different with 2D. Like a lot of 2D games are very fast and button mashy and stuff like that. So we want to try and uh, do something with, with different with 2D. We really didn't want to like copy Dark Souls. That was really not our intention. Uh, we liked the mood of Dark Souls. We, we definitely uh, took a lot from that. We probably took more mood from Below, to be honest. Okay. Uh, uh, in, you know, if you play Below, you'll, you'll kind of get a sense of that. Uh, and then we really wanted to tell a story about an average guy, like Little Mac in, in Punch-Out! Yeah. Kind of overcoming these overwhelming odds uh, and have a bit of a commentary, really, on killing in games. That in a lot of games, you know, every enemy is there for the purpose of you to kill. And in Under the End, you can skip every fight. And every, you know, like skip meaning you can bypass without actually killing things. Okay. Um, and and then you every creature there in the world, like, has a reason for being there. They're like... You know, looking for like I don't know bones or something. They're there to trade. They're they're protecting their lair, or whatever. Uh, and the player is kind of like get is going through this journey uh, that's in full flight. Like the world's going. The, the the player is not important. The hero that you control, the father, is not important. Like he doesn't save the day. He's not integral to the world. If He's he wasn't a very, there, very small part of the overall. Yeah, if he wasn't the there, nothing. You know, everything would still be going on. And uh, to me, that's what makes a cool game because. 
games are this interactive medium where your actions can actually form a story. And that's what I, I kind of like about game storytelling. Like, um, that's what I actually like a lot about Below. Um, and even other go- older games, like Another World and or Out of This World, depending on how you mm-hmm. came across it. So, Under the End actually ends, like, spoiler alert, with uh, you as an old man kneeling under a tree. And your family doesn't come out to greet you. And it really is a contemplation on, like, okay, so what would you do if you got, when you're old and you're a warrior? How would you regret the decisions you made? Would you uh, be happy that you you didn't help the innocent or you maybe killed the weak? Uh, and that's kind of what we tried to do with it. But it's all very subtle. Like, we we trusted players to the utmost, like Max. There's, like, very little help, very little tutorialization uh, in kind of the classic pop-up kind of sense, right? Mm-hmm. We tried to do everything, like, kind of old school, like Mega Man style, where you, like, t- show someone something and, and let them kind of figure things out on their own. Um, and some people love that and some people don't. Some people feel... It's too, there's not enough quality of life features. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't hold your hand enough and guide you enough. And that is, that's kind of the double-edged sword of being on an X, on a game pass. Because you, your, your, your breadth of character players is so broad, right? That you get people mm-hmm. with all sorts of skill levels. And so that, that can work uh, for and against you. Well, that was going to be one of my questions. Like, is, did you get a lot of pushback with that mentality or that, that design? Not from Xbox. Xbox was great about like. Oh, no, sorry, just from players. Oh yeah, uh, it's under the end. It's very polarizing game. Like okay. bo- it's interesting. Like uh, three of my f- two of my favorite games uh, that have come out in the last five years: Rain World, which is like a two D game. You play this slug cat, and okay, never heard in the of middle it. of the ecosystem, you can kill and capture some things, but you're pretty vulnerable. And uh, you know, it's it's much more kind of slow, and you're you're kind of planning routes, and you're always trying to get out of danger. Um, that game, like reviewers thought it didn't have enough quality of life stuff it was too old school that's one of the best like survival experiences i've ever played like that's that's just once you get into it it's like a brilliant game uh and then below too like i think uh, same thing Below got like hammered for like being too hard being too unforgiving again if you give it a chance and you you see what the designers were trying to do like i'll give you one example in below so in below there are two things that you can encounter early on. One, there's a rope that is strung across the ground. And if you run quickly, you'll hit the rope and you'll trip, right? Okay. And then the other thing you'll find is there's these spike traps on the ground that if they, they pop out of the ground, if they hit you, that you die, okay? So what a lot of people think is, one, that, that rope is stupid because it slows down the game too much, and two, the spike trap is unfair because it kills me too quickly. But what I think, I've never talked to Chris uh, uh, about this, the, the game designer, uh, from Capybara, what I think they were trying to do is make you look at the ground and make you understand the risks that are around you, so that you move slowly, you're careful, and you can succeed later on. They're trying to instill a lesson early that yeah, you should carry exactly. on. And, like, yeah. and to me, it I, I so was simple. Like, it seems like something that you know, it's teaching you this immediately. Yeah. Like, you, okay, I died to this. I yeah. need to just be a little trepidatious here as I progress through this world. Yeah. yeah. So you want to pay. So then when you have, what I think is really the level of brilliance of it is that those spike traps can be used against enemies. So you can lure enemies into that and kill the enemies by just getting them on there. And so then this thing that was this thing you fear that taught you to slow down and be careful now becomes an offensive weapon that lets you take out some of the hardest enemies really quickly. Mm. And they just do that over and over and over again throughout the game's design. And like, if I look back at, like, old Mega Man design, 
where there's like there's videos on this like Mega Man such a brilliant game design like when you jump on a wall you slide down slowly and that's how you learn double jump they didn't need to give you a pop-up or you're running across the thing and like you know these these things fall down and you have more than time to jump and then there's a you know like Mega Man's kind of famous for like how they introduce mechanics yeah below does the same thing so does rain world it's just that people like no longer want to see it as brilliant design they want to see it as oh that's not holding my hand enough why don't you pop up and say wait a second these are spikes like and i think that is shitty design actually i think doing a pop-up and making everything glow and stuff is not good design uh i think that it is immersion breaking and, and we so sarah and i really rejected that aggressively and yeah some people love it for that and some people don't so it's kind of we knew that like we knew going in what we were doing but yeah, and you were aware of it. You weren't oblivious to it, and yeah. you made a conscious decision, like right. we talked about. You trusted people. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll call it the Mega Man comparison. I agree with you, and it is a master. It's a masterclass in design and, and teaching player, but also in the era of early Mega Man, it didn't have like the games around it were doing sort of the same things. They were trusting yeah. the player. There weren't these, you know, tutorial fests with the glowy ledges and stuff, so it could be. You know, in a vacuum, it was compared. Now, a game like On to the End. Honestly, I'm convinced if a game like Mega Man came out now, like, well, you could use Shovel Knight, but Shovel Knight is standing on the shoulder of a game exactly. like Mega Man. Yeah. You yeah. have that to compare. You're already building on that. But let's say Mega Man never existed and Shovel Knight came out. People like, you know, like it's it's too hard. It, like I have to learn this. Why isn't it like this? Yeah. This game that does everything for me and holds my <laughs> exactly. Hand. Yeah. I'm in agreement with you. Like, what's the old adage in politics? If you're explaining, you're losing. Right. Why doesn't that apply to the games? Yeah. It, you know, like if if you're explaining literally everything to now, some tutorials I don't mind at all. Like right. That. Right. Some games are so mechanic heavy. It's but it's not about the tutorial in 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 essence. Just like, I mean, just like a Marvel movie or a DC. Like, the origin stories have been done to death. But there's a way you can do them good. Yeah. Like I know people shit on the Man of Steel movie, but I actually liked how they did the origin story. I didn't want to, you know, don't front load them film with the stuff I already know, and then he becomes Superman. Right. You know, it's piecemealed throughout. Yeah. And it, and it worked for me. It worked in that respect. Yeah, totally. Vice versa with video games. Like there's a way to do tutorials where it doesn't feel like a tutorial. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. We, we actually speaking of tutorial, like we. Uh, we got some flack because they're like, why did why wasn't the tutorial mandatory, right? Like right at the start of the game, it should have been a tutorial. It, the tutorial under the end is you go to any fire, you can go and rest and kind of have this memory of home and then train with your wife. That's how it was done. And you can go back there as many times as you want. And there's an achievement for, you know, winning the sparring match and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and you can practice and find hidden moves, blah, blah. And to us, that was uh, well designed because it was in the immersion of the game. Right. And it didn't take you out. It, I hate it. Like, you know, when you start a game and you're forced to spay an hour of like learning and then yeah. the real game begins. Like if I'm the kind of player that likes to learn on my own and just try try things out and learn by failing, like, why can't I do that? If I want to, yeah, then I can do that. That's great. And so I, that's me. I, I think I can be objective and say, yeah, that was a good design choice. Uh, even if, even if some people didn't appreciate it, you know, that's, that's like, it's funny because like, a game like XCOM, which is lauded as one of the best of the generation, the tutorial is basically optional. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, don't now before people jump. I, maybe the first time you play it, you have to go through the tutorial mission. But I actually think it is opt-in. Like you can just completely not do it. Right. So yeah, I, I remember that. But 
um, yeah, to us that made sense. And I, I think what gets lost sometimes, like with a game of Blow or, or Under the End or, or Rain World, is that uh, as designers, you're trying to give players a particular experience, just like our conversation on difficulty. And so holding things back is actually improving the experience that you're going after. Like Under the End is about feeling lost, alone, unsure, and overmatched. That's like our four things we're trying to do. And so if we like overly guide you, you no longer feel lost, alone, or overmatched, right? It defeats the purpose. I yeah, agree exactly. with you. Like, you want it, it is a difficult balance and i it's like creating anything yeah i mean whether it's a book like you, you know you have your acts yes but if there's not enough in in one to pull you into the next eventually you're going to lose interest and yeah versus with the game like you want to trust the player but if you're not giving them enough to get to the part that you really want to show them right it's not going to work they're never going to get there they're going to yeah. give up yeah. right and yeah. especially in today's environment where people are more like ah fuck it i'll just i don't want to play this i'll play the next 10 yeah. games that are exactly. waiting for yeah. Yeah. i didn't have to spend 80 dollars on them you know what exactly. i mean on each one yeah or in fantasy or fantasy star 2's case 109 dollars <laughs> right. you know yeah. what i mean yeah but um like i'm so were you happy with the way the game performed like yeah i mean it was is there anything you'd do different if you had to do it all over again uh no real i don't think so like we we made a um a couple adjustments to the difficulty i would say quote unquote uh so our our model was to make it um it's interesting what you try to overcome and what you can overcome so i've learned this uh so we've tried to make it <clears throat> so the combat was very much under the end style combat right so you block low, low you block high you you repose uh you can parry or sort of counter high counter low you can repose enemies are actually very symmetrical to the hero uh, you take extra damage if you like duck into an attack or jump into attack. It's super deep combat system. Mm -hmm. um, the one thing that players hated was that when you rolled, we didn't give you iframes when you rolled away. And people are used to it. Because you, people are so used to it in Dark Souls, yeah. right? We only gave you iframes if you rolled around. Because Sarah and I were like, look, dude, if you turn your back on a guy swinging an axe and he hits you in the back, you're going to take serious damage. Like, that's how. Even in, if the simple principles of fighting, like boxing, yeah. They never. They always teach you. You never dodge back. Exactly. You never, yeah. you no, know, you never go back. You never. Yeah. I mean, you're you're to the side. You're shifting. Yeah. yeah. It makes sense. So that was our thinking, and we thought, like, we put in things like if you roll off a ledge, you'll fall and you'll drop your stuff, right? So in Dark Souls, you can just roll off ledges and you just roll and you're fine, right? Yeah. Or if you roll into a wall, you'll smack into the wall and fall back. Okay. And actually, if you do it enough times, you'll die. You take one quarter of a health point. So you can actually kill yourself by just smashing the wall. And again, we thought like, look, this is a way we're gonna teach people through negative feedback. Like it's like, don't do this. We're gonna mm -hmm. teach them to be careful, to slow down, to roll with an, in, you know, uh, you know, deliberate, uh, deliberate action. Then we made it like a cone of light around you when you're in a fight in a dark area. And when you're out, when you have your torch and you can drop your torch. And if you move out of the cone, you can't see. But mm -hmm. the enemies, they have glowing eyes. They can see in the dark so that you're at a disadvantage. Right. So the whole intention of that was to teach you Positioning is really important. Stay close to your enemy. Don't roll around like a nutball. And we thought that would be enough. In our in our in our demos that we gave out, we had about ten thousand people through the Steam demos. Like super great feedback, right? We were like most anticipated game uh, in Rock Paper Shotgun. Like uh, we had a ton of like top tier guys, like really like what tons of awards, blah blah. But when it got out to the masses, yeah, they hated the iframe stuff. The fact that it wasn't all, always iframes. They thought it was cheating and over underbalance and stuff and then the damage for doing like dumb things like if you jump 
and get hit, you take two points of damage instead of one. Mm-hmm. Uh, they people, th- not everyone, but enough people thought that was that was unfair. And so we dialed those things down. Now you, when you roll, you have iframes all the time, and your damage is always one no matter what. You made it more video gaming. Yeah, it, it's you know it, I think it still preserved the the experience we wanted to go for. It's still challenging and positioning is still important, all that kind of stuff. It's just a little more forgiving. I don't I don't think it's as good of a game anymore. Like it's it's not like 100% worse, but it's it's like 10% worse. I think that original game was better. I think you had to earn it more. That very first version was you had to earn it more. It was more representative of what a 2D sword fight would be, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, you kind of learn these things. You learn that no matter what, like Dark Souls, you know, ingrains in you this is how rolling works and you can't change that, right? So that's, and I respect that's, it. Like and I think every creator who makes something that they truly care about, you know, they, they believe in something and right. it's hard to let go, but eventually sometimes you have to compromise, even yeah. if you feel it isn't the right thing. Right. I mean, sometimes there is a hill, there has to be a hill that you die on. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm sure there's some things you're like, we are not changing this. That's it. Right. I don't give a shit. But there are some things, you know what? You just, you let go just a little bit. Like yeah. I, I mean, whether you're writing something and an editor just slaughters your your piece and it's just yeah. red marked to shit, and you're like, "I thought this was awesome," yeah. you know. And, and sometimes you stick to it, sometimes you don't, and then sometimes you see the light. I I don't know. I I get the dilemma though. It, it's hard. Yeah, I would say one thing we didn't like. I felt strongly that uh, Sarah and I both did. I think uh, that bleeding in the game was important to make you feel like the battles were consequential. So in up to the end, if you take too much damage, you get down to one health, you're actually bleeding. And if you don't do anything, like you don't apply herbs, or you don't drink a tonic, or there's some items you can use, you don't use those, you'll bleed to death and die. Yeah. And when you're bleeding, we don't give you save points. You don't get like auto checkpoints. Like under the end, it doesn't have bonfire. It does have fires, but those aren't checkpoints. You have checkpoints like inside or limbo. And so when you're bleeding, we don't give you checkpoints. And that means if you die, you'll go back to the last time where you had more than one health. I see. And so we do that. One, to encourage you to actually get better at fighting so you beat defeat guys. But also, so you don't get, like, save-locked. Do you remember Wise? The oh, yeah. Old, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. With that one room you'd go in and your health would drain, and if you didn't go to the right thing, you would get, like, save-locked at that yeah. point. You'd, you'd have to restart the whole game. So we didn't want to save-lock you. And we also didn't want to... A lot of games will just cheat and say, well, when you get to a checkpoint, the next time you play, you come with full health. But then that, that broke us out of the immersion of the journey of the father and the opportunity, dude to struggle and get to a fire when you're like falling to a knee and you're obviously dying and then you get to a fire and you heal yourself like that's an awesome experience that you don't get in many games i got it and to us that was worth it you know and so yeah i get it completely i really really do <laughs> uh yeah i mean i'm i'm going to uh i'm gonna get back i just like with the baby and stuff oh, dude stuff. no yeah. worries about it. like <laughs> i i just wish there was i remember like Growing up, you know, just wait, you'll have no time. I was like, ah, whatever. And that's honestly, Steve, one of the, Greg will probably tell, although Greg is, so you're, how old are you? You're 43? Yeah. Yeah. 44. 44. 44, yeah. Yeah. And I'll be 43 this year myself. Right. Greg's 42, yeah. Yeah. And he's 42. So yeah. we were always sequential like that. Right. <laughs> and Greg will tell you, because, I mean, he's got young ones too. Having children late in life is hard because, yeah. and I'll tell you why it's hard, because you were so, you're selfish. You've learned to be selfish. All that time, all that money, you and you've done it forever. You did yeah. it till you're almost 40 years old. So you, like when you have kids young, you don't know what you're giving up. You, you're not you're not yeah. ingrained in it. You just like you do it now. You're like, oh my god. Like 
I can't, like, me and my wife talked about, do you remember, like, three years ago when we just come home from work and do nothing? Yeah. Like, we just, <laughs> and that wasn't even good enough then. Now we're like, I would kill for an hour just right. to, like, you know what I mean? In normal time. But, uh. I hear you, buddy. Greg, you I'm Greg feels what we're doing next, What's next for, for, for you guys, you, Sarah, and Greg? Yeah, uh, is, it uh, just, is it just you three? Just me and Greg. Sorry, just me and Sarah. Greg does it. Greg kind of will give us feedback, but it's really just Sarah and I that run Two Tone Studios. And then we have a sound designer in Italy. His name is Francesco. Okay. And then for under the end, we had a music guy in LA. Uh, and did Johnny. You, do you know? Did you know these people, or were they just contacts that you sort of? Johnny, I met through Twitter, and he All just right. like liked uh, kind of a random idea. It was like a science fiction game Sarah and I were working on when we were in Europe, actually. And then Fran. So we had a game. We had an audio designer. Uh, named Victor that actually that was working on Under the End. He left and he, now he's working on Baldur's Gate 3. All right. His buddy was Fran, Francesco. And so he like connected us with Francesco and, and now, um, you know, Fran and I and Sarah work together really closely and we're still very much in touch with Johnny. So uh, it's really Sarah and I and then like, uh, and then Fran and then Johnny are, are key parts of it too. But Sarah and I run Two Tone Studios um, and do all the art and design and, uh, you know, all the work to make the games. Yeah, um, I can see what's going on behind you. I, I like it. Thanks, man. In terms of what's next, uh, you know, we got a couple projects on the go. One is uh, game related, but not a game. So it's kind of focused on like player community and engagement uh, with player communities and kind of understanding player communities. And so that's like a startup kind of idea that I've, I've been working on uh, for about six months now. So we got some funding for that and we're kind of super early days, but that's like something we're trying to get off the ground. And then we have two different game ideas we're working on. One, I can't tell you much about it, but one is like science fiction based and one is very much not science fiction. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, those are like super early too. So nothing like really concrete. I don't even know if those games or the startup will make it, you know, mm -hmm. past the next six months. Um, but yeah, most of last year, we spent a lot of time kind of interacting with fans, kind of recuperating a bit, like and finishing under then it was an insane amount of work. Mm -hmm. uh, very tiring, a lot of like, all-nighters and crazy hours and stuff um and so yeah i don't you know who knows i don't i don't know what really will happen next we'll just see if it if it feels right and get the right opportunities you know we'll, we'll you know we'll deliver another game and if not we'll do something else i guess it's good insight i uh i mean obviously you worked really hard you're still married so that's a good thing <laughs> yeah like um, if there was one hint you could give to aspiring game, I mean, I know every journey is different. Every, I mean, look at you, you had no, I mean, you love video games. I mean, right. who doesn't today? But it's like, and I know there's a ton of people out there who are just like, I would love to create a game. Although it is easier than ever now right. to get out there. It's easier than ever to create, I mean, podcasts or music or whatever, which is a good thing. But the world is full of good ideas that were ever unrealized. Like, what right. is a bit of some advice you would give to? aspiring game developers or something like that I, I i think you're very right like every journey is is different i think the biggest thing is uh to, to make stuff but don't uh worry too much about what you make because um like there's this old kind of it's a real thing there, there was a school a design like a, an art school in canada and they they took uh an art class that was focused around pottery and they divided it into two halves they divided half the class into um uh, a group where they were asked to make a perfect pot. They had the whole semester to do it and they had to make a clay pot and they were just had to make one clay pot and they would be graded on that clay pot. They didn't have to, no other distractions. The other half of the class was asked, was told, 
don't worry about how the pots look. Just make as many pots as you can. Uh, we'll put them on a scale, and whoever has the most weight will get the top grade, and then down from there, right? Okay. And don't worry about design or any of that stuff. Just make as many pots as you can, put them on the scale. So at the end of the semester, it was really interesting. The, the, the half of the class that was asked to just make pots by weight, they made better design pots. They, they like held water. They made more variations. They were more creative, et cetera, et cetera. The half of the class that was asked to just make one perfect pot, most of them didn't finish the pot. The pots mm -hmm. were leaky. They did very uninspired design, et cetera, et cetera. And so this is very hard to do in practice. But if you can, like make stuff and then send it out there and then make more stuff. Because uh, that's really the only way you really seemingly as a human get better at stuff. Like uh, even if it, I mean, you can do it by iterating on your own thing and throwing it away and building it up. And some guys do that and you gear up indie games that come out and they're like, I worked on this game for seven years, you know? Um, but I think it's better to just do things, keep them small, don't overwork, don't stress about them too much, get them done, share them with people, and then do more stuff. Um, I think that's great advice. You know, it, any successful person in life in any avenue will tell you this too, because it's good to have long goals, right. huge goals. But if you don't have stuff in between steps, and, and landmarks, you're never going to hit that because it's always going to seem so far away. Yeah. Like you've got to never trust a man that's never failed because that means he never tried. Yeah. Yeah. All, totally. the great, all great people, men, women, they've all failed and they've all tried to make something that hasn't worked. You know, you know, every millionaire, billionaire, you know, they, they never, their first idea was not their best one. Yeah. And it's just, you know, you got to go from there. Like I follow some, some game drugs because I'm, flirting with it myself i'll right. never be a developer but creatively it's it's always been my passion totally uh, i want to do it again i picked the wrong time to try to start right. but the slim time that i do have i'm really you know i'm grinding gears and i'm i gave myself a year to really come up with this overarching thing that i want to do and then like i said the tools are out there it's never been easier whether i want to you know unity whether i want to even use the tool set in dreams right i can yeah. do things like that totally and just put something together and then and then go from there like the world's really your oyster if you really want to try and, and yeah. do it and it's 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 awesome to reconnect and, and to see what what you've done like awesome snot-nosed punks that's <laughs> seven years old to now old geezers and it's crazy it is really awesome actually like not you know not everyone gets to do this so that's pretty cool i think it isn't yeah like i I, uh, I never, I, I always wanted to get back in to do it, but I was in the midst of like Raquel's pregnant and we were moving. Like now I'm settled in my new place and I got this entire space that no one can bug me in. And nice. I'm all set up with my shit. I insulated it all. So she, my wife can't bug me about being too loud with the right. baby crying. And, That's brilliant. Yeah. And I, I, like, I just, I don't care who watches this stuff. I just like talking about yeah, of course. games and, in, in any avenue and that's and that's really why i'm doing this but it's 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 awesome that we got to to talk and connect um before i let you go i guess we might as well talk about something Terry. like in your limited time to play games like like what are you what are you playing like what what was your favorite game last year for instance that's interesting i didn't play it has to be like a 2021 game no no yeah i i would say well my favorite game of last year was probably i finally finished rain world so okay. i never finished it i played a bunch of it and then i got distracted with it under the end and then i came back and finished it uh, and I, I thought that was really great. I really enjoyed that. Uh, I replayed Below. So those are probably my two favorite games of, of last year in terms of playing. But uh, I played 
a Lackhead, which is like a puzzle indie puzzle game okay. made by a Japanese designer. Uh, short game, like an hour and a half, probably two hours to play, but I really like that. I thought, did you play Inscription? It's uh, like a card well, game. I haven't, I, I, I'm, I'm big on waiting. Okay. I, I don't play games day and date. I, I, I've learned to, I'm not a beta tester. Games don't release right. how they used to. And it, it, like if I played The Witcher 3, for instance, when it came out, I would have played a shittier version than yeah, the game point. I played a year and a half later. You know Probably. what I mean? Vice versa, Bloodborne. I waited. You know, it's still an issue, but the, you know, the, I will wait and play the best version of the game. Yeah, smart. Yeah, that's good. So I will wait on Inscription. I will play it. Yeah, no, so, so I, I thought Inscription was done well. Uh, I didn't love it end-to-end, -end, but I did enjoy it a lot. I thought it had really strong points, and I thought it was like, really interesting. It got a lot of games of the year nods. Yeah, it did. And I think, yeah, I, I thought I enjoyed it. I there were very parts where they were very strong. I'm trying to think of other games that I played. It's I funny, though, like, to Inscription's thing, I, not to deviate, I don't care, yeah. I, I heard someone else say this, and I actually completely agree with it. Every year, there seems to be like an indie darling that everyone latches on. Right, yeah. that's the one. Yeah. Everyone talks about. There could be twenty other games just right. as good that yeah. are deserving of attention. And I'm, I by no means am I begrudging them what the attention. No, is. sure, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's just there's there's a lot of games in that space, folks. Yeah, like you, you can look beyond inscription. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I didn't I didn't play a ton of others really. Like. Um... Yeah, those are kind of the ones that I, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't played any like the big, big titles. I don't play many AAA games at all, actually anymore. Mm -hmm. Like I don't even own a console uh, yeah. anymore, which is bizarre. I, I had a con we had dev kits to like test the games, uh, but I haven't played a lot of big games. I don't. I, I don't have time. I don't. For me, sometimes the big titles. I know you're not really asking this, but to kind of get on Doesn't my soapbox a bit, like the big titles. It sounds weird. They're almost overproduced. You know, like there's too many cinematics and it's too much like time and i i don't know i for me if i want to get into a story it's like i'll read a book or i'll watch a really good movie i get uh, it yeah you're for not me, it's just, this, does it? I, yeah. i'm not jaded on video game stories i'll admit like i i still think there is i i still think there is i think gaming stories do get too much shit sometimes sure yeah but like i'm not up there you know saying this is the citizen kane <laughs> right. like, storytelling from video games you know what i mean yeah. like yeah uh <laughs> But I'm with you. Like I, I still do enjoy my AAA romps. But I, I mean, some I've just completely pivoted off of. Like I, open world games to me, I'm just done. Like I, I don't really. One, it's a time issue, and yeah. two, it's just, I just don't think. I think 95% of them are very good. Right. Flat yeah. out. Like for every Red Dead Redemption, there's you know, ten other mediocre Assassin's Creeds. And I'm sorry, they're they're not good games. Like. For the the worlds are vast and and they're beautiful, but like I will, I'll I'll die on the hill that Assassin's Creed has never lived up to the promise that it it or to the to what they promised in terms right. of like you've never truly felt like an assassin. Now the games are way so far gone. I don't even know why they call them that anymore. For instance, like right, that's a good point. Yeah, they're yeah. just open world games now. They're not assassin games in yeah. any sort of capacity it's hard to but, say that too because you you know there's super talented people working on them right like oh, you, and there's thousands of ridiculous right it's yeah. hard to argue with the sales steve yeah exactly i yeah. mean i guess these open world games are selling more than the other ones but right. i just like i didn't even think the old games i played them right and, and i don't know why i played them i just felt like i had to then sure, yeah yeah but it's like you know what i mean like 
everything that they work like the parkour sure it's, it's all shittier all of yeah. it's worse the games play worse and worse and worse but anyway personally right now like i'm actually playing returnal oh nice yeah i've heard good things about that actually and i don't like like roguelites i, right. I hate it i, I right. don't like randomness i want to see like a yeah like a developer's vision yeah and i thought i i stayed off of it but i'm in this game now and I, like again a difficult game but I'm kind of crushing it, so I still got it. But again, I think it, if I'm going to be critical about it, the randomness is too much. Is it? Like, yeah. A good run versus a bad run isn't really up to skill. It, it Skill is a part of it, but it's luck of the draw. Like if I'm getting early artifacts that are uh, my, very important to me right. and becoming fast and furious, I can be unbeatable. But if I'm not getting those, I don't think I'm any worse than you know i was in on the good run where i yep. died you know what i yep. mean it, like i didn't die as much as most people in the first areas and i sort of got out of that quick but i definitely died my my deaths were more front loaded right but i got to a point once i beat the first boss i haven't died since yeah interesting like i'm in the fourth now and i'm just like i'm i'm about to fight the fourth boss like and i didn't die at all right and I'm just like, okay, am I just still really good at games? I don't think I'm that good. <laughs> I mean, definitely I a little bit. But yeah, I see what you're saying. And I, I, I also find that frustrating when it it feels like, um, yeah, you just get bad dice rolls, basically. And then you, and then it kind of, it, it really detracts the game. Yeah. It, I watched uh, a lot of people play Returnal. Um, I, I thought it looked really cool. I, I actually, I thought it was interesting that a lot of the, you can tell me about playing it, a lot of the challenge mechanics, like the way enemies shoot and stuff, it's almost like an old school top oh, it down. Is. And that's what that would gravitate. Like, yeah, that's, I thought that was cool, actually. So, I like really, uh, we'll get we'll wrap up here soon. But a really little detour. Like, how do you feel about? Because when we grew up, what were shooters? Well, to me, it was like the our like, type. Yeah, our type or the top down nineteen forty two. You're like on the bomber yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, those were shooters. Now yeah. that that whole term has been co opted by first person shooters. Right. Yeah. For me, shooters will always be that. 100%. So I remember, like, when I describe it, like shooter, like, oh, you mean like bullet hells or shmups? I right. hate them. I fucking <laughs> hate the word shmup. Like, oh, just shut up. I hate it. But like, you know, I mean, the, what is that word? I, I don't. Right. I don't like it at all. But anyway, <laughs> it does. You know, it gives you. The you know the, the the waves of bullets and yeah you know the an enemy will land and a wave will come up forcing you to dash through but and it's funny because dashing away often in those those environments now you can dash away in larger environments to get right. away but if you're in a boss fight for instance and those some of those things come at you your your first instinct is to dash away or to jump away but often that isn't the best course. Because every, there's another thing coming at you. Yeah. And if you wait, the, those are going to home. So you want to almost dash in, like to, onto the end, wanted you yeah. to stay engaged. Exactly, you yeah. Really wants yeah. you to stay engaged in the fight. Yeah. In so far, you yeah, know what exactly, I mean? exactly, yeah. It's like stepping into the pocket in football, right? Versus always running away. You know, that's, that's right. hard if to learn to do running that. Out and, you're, yeah. and you're running out of that pocket, you're yeah. going to get nailed. And that's your first instinct. Exactly, yeah. Stepping up takes a lot of courage. But yeah. it's also the the goal of it. Sometimes yeah. you can take it down, but more often than not, you're going to make a play. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I, I like and I, and the aesthetics of Returnal. I've always been a big house mark guy. Yeah. I like the games. Uh, yeah. Even when they were making small games like right. Resogun, I love Resogun. Uh, actually, I actually haven't played many of their other games actually, but uh, I, oh, no? I was no, yeah, should I, I should check them out. Eh? You should play like talking about old, old school shooters. Resogun really brings them to like the modern age. Oh, I, nice. I love it. I think it's oh, excellent. Cool. 
I mean, I I think it was free. Was it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like it came free with if you were like a PS Plus subscriber when the PS4 came out. Oh, cool. It was like a free game. Right. So whatever. But yeah, I'm really enjoying that. And I mean, I buy an obscene amount. Like I'm I'm the guy that keeps physical games alive. Like I That's have good, man. That's good. Collector's editions coming out of my ass. And my wife is on me all the time. What is this coming <laughs> out the door? But I just buy them. My backlog is unbearable, but right. I'm right. going to keep buying them. What are you looking forward to? I'll ask you a question. What are you looking this forward year? to? Yeah. Final Fantasy 16, hopefully. Like yeah. I I will You know you should chat with, man. It's uh, Casey Cheatham. Why like, is he involved in this? No, but he's like I still chat with Case, but he's a huge Final Fantasy fan. I don't know if he's still into Final Fantasy, but I know he was like growing up for sure. Because I, I mean, I have him on on a social media thing. I, I mean, obviously, I haven't spoken with you him. You should pick yeah, it, man. Like, I, Dude, like, like to chat with you about this stuff. Yeah, and we'll we'll definitely talk again uh, when we have time here. Um, but yeah, like, and I, I'd like to have Greg on. Like, oh, Greg wanna... would love to chat. I'm sure I'll, I'll connect you guys. Um, what about you? Is there anything this year uh, that you're looking forward to? I really want to play. So, um, Somerville. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's an indie game. I, th- uh, I think so. What yeah, is it? So, so uh, the guys who did Limbo and Inside, the Play Dead guys. Yes. Uh, one of them, Dino. He left. I, I don't know what role he really had at, at Play Dead. Like whether he was the creative guy or the business guy or whatever. But he left, and he joined up with a, an animator named Chris Olson, and. Uh, Chris, I remember Chris kicking around ideas uh, for Somerville on an indie game forum called Take Source around the same time Sarah and I started Under the End. So that's like five years ago now. And uh, Somerville is that game. And so he, theoretically, is coming out this year. But it's kind of like that. It's kind of like that inside Play Dead, like, uh, you know, kind of minimal art, but like, you know, very kind of immersive cinematic worlds and uh, it seems to be a little more action-oriented than uh, some of the Play Dead stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I but, really uh, enjoyed Limbo and and Inside. I yeah. think I, I preferred Limbo, even though most people prefer I preferred it. Limbo as well. I thought mechanically it was stronger, and I think the puzzles were stronger. I thought uh, cinematically, I thought Inside was better. Because it, oh, it for sure. Was, like yeah. what they're doing with depth and, yeah. and some of the puzzles. From a game perspective, I, I enjoyed it. Limbo is my favorite. Yeah, And I liked... I know the second half of Limbo kind of gets some shit, but I just did... I, I liked... And I like the the conversation around Limbo. Yeah, uh, more. I'll admit, like some of the stuff on Inside got away from me at the end. You know, the the massive blob and dude. And I, I don't know. I I'd love to know their real thinking because I wonder too. Because I I was like, what? The I fuck? wonder if it was like, okay, we're we're at the finish line, guys. Like, what are we gonna do as a capstone? And like, someone throws out an idea, and then it was cool what they did. It looked cool. It was very, but I like as a. Was it the best way to end the story? Did it feel a little bit like a curveball for the sake of... I don't know. It's hard to say. And like, there was a way to get like a secret scene. Like if you went and, you know, you found all these hideouts with notes that you had to knock, you knock out a bulb or something. They were telling you, I admit, I I like reading about things after. I never ended up reading about inside. I would like to go down the hole because I remember the limbo one and I I really liked that. How the the junk was possibly a car accident and... You know, represented that, and I just I like that sort of stuff. I, on it, I don't really know how indie this game is, but in, in an indie space, I'm looking towards uh, Silk Song, like the. Oh, dude, yeah. I mean, like, Cherry. so Team Cherry, I, I'm super looking forward to that. Hollow Knight, I loved. That's actually one of Greg's favorite games. I lost like ten years. I, I everyone should yeah. play Hollow Knight. Yeah, it's it's, it's a great great title. The, like everything we just talked about, 
it does in spades. Yeah, yeah. And it got a lot of crap too, actually. Like it got a lot of uh, negative, I mean, it's done incredibly well, but it got a lot of flack for how it did its maps uh, initially. Now, if there was one gripe, it would be the maps, but I overcame it. Yeah, and- I think it actually, I, overall, I, I think it enhanced it. But I do agree it was grading at times and I found it frustrating sometimes to find that guy. But, yeah, the photographer. Um, yeah, I almost was like, it seemed, although I was okay with it, my tolerance for things like that I think is a little higher. And right. I look at it from a design perspective, it was kind of needless to make it that difficult. I agree. I, I don't know if it was the best decision, but it, so that was the big knock on it. And then a lot of people said it was not distinct enough. Like it's too similar to these other games, but I think the way they, they melded everything together, the art direction, the feel of it, I, I just yeah. want to, uh, and getting through the whole thing is no joke. Like to get no, the real not, editing it's is not, like, it's difficult. It's tough. Yeah. And especially if you want to go the full way and, yeah. or into the DLC. Stuff. Oh yeah. Some of that it, stuff's it's nuts. It's no joke. Yeah. Yeah. So I like, really I, like that. Like I actually put on my, on my YouTube channel and me beating the, the final boss. Now I didn't go through the God home stuff, which was like the right the team challenges yeah, yeah. Even more difficult. Right. I never did that. Either. I mean, like I remember when I beat it, I was like, yes, like it was, yeah, it was, it was great. Oh, so still song for sure. Yeah. Like, I don't even know if it'll come out this year. I, I hope it does. I, I played a demo of it at EGX 2019. And so yeah, it's been a long time coming because it was, it was like pretty good, man. It was like, it was very playable. Like it was like it's very expansion. Yeah. That, I think they wanted to do a DLC and they're like, no, uh, Hornet deserves her own game. And, uh, yeah. So those guys seem to not really know what they're doing. Um, I mean, it, it was two, bro- two brothers or two friends, I think, but now they're probably many more people, but sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh, definitely. That's high on my list. Elden Ring. I'm kind of excited, but I don't know if you're, if you're keen on that or not. I got the collector's edition okay. pre-ordered, but again, yes. I probably won't play that game for seven months. Like <laughs> right, I just, right. I, want for it, the, yeah. I want the chick with the metal arm, and I want to put her right here. Nice, <laughs> yeah, nice. we'll get that. So, listen, I'm going to let you go. Sure, buddy. Um, let's do this again. Absolutely. When you 